We're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians this morning, so I'll ask you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the third chapter. Now, look, let me tell you as we read this this morning. What this verse is going to say is that your life and my life, that we have cosmic significance. It's a whole lot bigger than anything we normally think about on this earth. What we do and how we respond to life and how we live out our faith not only has impact on this earth, but actually into the heavenly places. Paul's talking in this passage about a mystery called the mystery of Christ as he names it here. And we're going to be looking at that mystery, but tucked away as often I find in Scripture there are these, you know, I call them sleeper passages. When you read through it, you just sort of miss it or you don't understand it or uh, you're reading quickly through it and you don't see it. There's a nugget of truth in here this morning that I'm going to hopefully show you. And I really do believe this. It changes the way you look at life. It changes your understanding of how you live your life. And so this morning, from Ephesians, the third chapter, we're going to look at the first 13 verses. This is the word of God. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Now, Paul begins writing about this thing that he calls a mystery. And you've got to understand that in the scriptures, that word mystery meant something that was hidden in the past or only vaguely understood. There were vague hints of it in the past, but now 
it has been revealed. That's a mystery. So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about this mystery. And he says, I've already written about it briefly, and it's important we go back and see where he wrote about it. And he did it in that first chapter when he said, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, and, and to be put into effect when the times have, been, have reached their fulfillment. Now look, here's the deal. Jesus is in the business of bringing reconciliation and healing and restoration of all, ever since the fall, he's been in the business of bringing rec- reconciliation and restoration of all things. And it's going to take place ultimately when he comes again and everything is brought in subjection to his perfect will and to his lordship over all things. So that's what it's talking about. This will be put in effect when times have reached their fulfillment. And what is this mystery in the broad sense? It's to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now that's the broad sense of the mystery. But then he goes on to give the more clearer definition or the narrow view. And But before I get to that, I cannot miss what Paul has to say about himself here. Did you notice he says, I became a servant, verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I became a servant of the gospel. And I want to say this is true of every one of us. All of us who've been called into faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given the gospel. We've been entrusted with the gospel. It is that precious message that God has given to us. Brian was praying earlier about our witness to lost people, the beautiful anthem that the choir sang by his love, that we would be known by his love, that we reach out with his love. We, we are his hands, that we would see through his eyes, that our hearts would be broken with the things that break his heart. We are servants of the gospel, and that's a gift from God's grace, and God gives us the power to use that gift in the most effective way possible. That's what Paul's saying. But then he makes this amazing statement. He says, although I am less than the least. Wait a minute. I am less than the least of all God's people. And you want to say, wait a minute, Paul, come on. I mean, you know, Paul wrote the majority of the books in the New Testament, right? I think that's pretty significant. He was really took the missionary movement all through Europe, planted churches. Who knows how many churches were planted? Thousands upon thousands of people came to Christ through his ministry. And he says, I am the less of the least of all of these. Now, let me tell you what he's dealing with here because Paul understood it. He really believed this. This this wasn't mere hyperbole. He meant it. He looked back on his life, and you remember he was a persecutor of the church? You remember in Philippians when he started talking about his self-righteousness? Oh, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. As to the law, I did everything just right. Remember, he talks about his self-righteousness. And Paul looked back on his life, and he saw in his life, regardless of his success, so to speak, in ministry, he came back to that, and he saw saw himself as he really is, and he said, I'm the less of the least of all of God's people. He knew his sinful, sinfulness. And yet on the other hand, and yet this grace was given to me to be able to take the gospel to the Gentiles. 
You see, that's what we call gospel identity. And it's critical that all of us who are believers understand our gospel identity because the gospel both, the gospel both humbles us and comforts us at the same time. That's what Paul was saying here. I'm less than the least. In other words, he was humble before this. He was broken over his own failures and over his own sin. He was honest about his sin. And he never forgot that. And yet, on the other hand, he understood, but God has poured out his blessings and his love and his grace and his mercy, and he is using me. You see, that's gospel identity. And Paul had that straight. And I wonder, you know, as we stop and think about our own lives, look, it's critical that we understand the gospel. It brings inexpressible joy to us and yet at the same time it brings us to deep brokenness and it's that balance in your life that keeps you a healthy Christian to understand both of those things well let's get back to the mystery now what is the mystery here in particular it has to do with us it's about the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's covenant community into God's family and Paul says the former generations didn't understand that. There were a few notable exceptions. If you remember, Ruth was one of them. She was a Moabitess, and she was a Gentile who came. But overall, basically, it was the descendants of Abraham. It was the Jewish people who were the chosen people of God. And other than those few, they didn't understand back in the Old Testament. They didn't have this full picture that Gentiles now, it wasn't until Peter was in Joppa and he received that vision about the Gentiles that all of a sudden things changed and then Paul was appointed to be the preacher to the Gentiles to take the message to it. And remember what Paul said about the Gentiles. He said, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. He said, don't forget where you were without Christ. And I simply say that. There's some of you here who maybe you've been believers for a long time. Don't forget where you were at one time. You were without Christ. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. But something changed. Now the mystery has been revealed. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have now been brought near through the blood of Christ and consequently you're no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of the household of God. Now what he's doing is showing how he's bringing all things together under his sovereignty. And he's saying here's the illustration of it. Jews and Gentiles now being brought together into one family, into one covenant community in Christ. And so the great mystery, if you want to just put it in the great mystery, is that he is reconciling all things under his rule. Jews and Gentiles, things in heaven and things on earth, all things fall under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Now that's the mystery he's talking about. Then he moves into the purpose for this mystery. Why does he do it? Now I want you to look at the verse carefully. His intent, all right, his purpose, why was he doing this? His intent was that now 
through the church. Do you understand that's us? You are the church, right? His intent was that now, through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is the sleeper. This is that nugget that often we miss. Here's what he's saying. What happens in your life and how you respond as a Christian not only bears witness to other human beings, but it also bears witness to angels, to angelic beings. Amazing statement. And I'll tell you, all of a sudden, this changes your perspective about everything. Do you realize that your life matters? That your life is significant? That God uses things that happen in your life? And he actually uses that to bear witness to angelic beings of his immense power and wisdom and all of those things. What happens in your life and your response bears witness. Do you remember the story of Job? Do you know the context of Job? One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. The setting of the book of Job is in the heavenly realms. And there were all of the angels who came and gathered themselves before God, and Satan comes also. And you remember God asked Satan a question. Satan, where have you been? He said, I've been down roaming to and fro upon the earth. And then God asked him a question. He said to him, have you considered my servant Job? In front of the angels now, have you considered my servant Job? And you remember the story of Job's suffering. By the way, he did great till he had these three friends who came along, got him all mixed up, right? And God had to get him straight back. That happens. God got him straight back at the end again. But here was the point. God pointed to him, and he said, angels, look at Job. And it wasn't about Job. It was about how Job handled life and showed the wisdom and mercy and grace and love of God. And he said, look at Job. Let me tell you this. Did you know that angels have an interest in the redemptive purposes of God? Look, Peter writes, even angels long to look into these things. They're curious. They're curious about what God is doing with us. Here's the point. Your life and my life has far greater significance with the way that we handle life than we can ever imagine. It's huge. And all of a sudden, I begin to say, you know what? My life is significant. I'm telling you, there are so many people who feel that their lives are insignificant. insignificant. But I'll tell you this, when you begin to understand that you're an instrument that God is using, in a very powerful way. Remember Paul said, I'm a servant of the gospel. You're servants of the gospel. I'm a servant of the gospel. And God uses us not only, here's what it says, not only to human beings, but even has impact into the heavenly places. 
Now, all of this, he's doing all of it. He's bringing everything together. He's, uh, he's allowing us to have witness even to angelic beings. And this is all according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus as our Lord. I don't know what you're going through. But I'm going to tell you this. God has a purpose. And I can say that because I have been through some very deep, dark, hurtful valleys in my life. And when you're in the middle of the valley, when you're in the middle of that place, it doesn't always make sense, does it? And we don't always understand it. I look back now, and I can see at some of those moments when they were the most difficult times of my life, how God used that in a very powerful way in my life and in the life of my family and in many other people's lives. You see, he's bringing everything in conformity with that eternal purpose, everything. And it means that your life, even though it may seem chaotic and it's not making sense and you're facing things, I mean, we all go through these things. We all go through losses and pain and sorrow and sickness. And we all face these uncertainties out there in life. And sometimes it seems that life is just overwhelming. I remember being at that place two or three times in my life when if I had not believed this, I would have literally gone to pieces. But here's what I'm saying. But God has an eternal purpose. And Jesus has you in his hand. And nobody can take you away from him. All hell may be breaking loose around you. Life may not be making any sense to you at all. But you're in his hand. And he's working everything. He's pulling everything together. He's making purpose and meaning. All things work together for the good of those who love him. Do you believe Romans 8, 28? How can we say that if we don't understand this? So whatever those difficulties and the pain and the uncertainties of your life, and we all have them, there's King Jesus. And he's bringing everything, things in heaven and things on earth, he's bringing everything in conformity with God's purpose. What comfort that gives to us. And then it's all accomplished, according to this verse, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. All of these redemptive purposes are centered in Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is the one who's doing all of this. Jesus Christ is the one who's made it all possible. And then Paul ends this section by saying, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Look at this verse carefully. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We talked about Jesus being the great high priest. And because of him and his work on the cross, his atonement, because of all of that, we now may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you understand what that means? With freedom. 
We're able to come to him and tell him whatever is on our hearts. We don't have to be in fear. Listen, read the Psalms. There were times the psalmist is just overwhelmed with life. Why is my soul so downcast, God? Where are you, God? Have you forsaken me, God? You realize that because of Jesus, we have that kind of freedom to go before God and tell him whatever is on our hearts. And we have the confidence that he won't cut us off, that he won't turn his deaf ear to us, that he won't punish us. Because he says, through Jesus, you have freedom and confidence to approach God. Let me tell you why. Let me bring it on a personal note. Because God is your Father. And He absolutely loves you with an infinite love. And He delights when you come to Him. Even when I unload all my burdens, yes. Even when I'm frustrated and maybe even frustrated with Him, yes. He is your Father who loves you and adores you and bids you to come to him. And you do not have to be afraid to do it. Look, it all hinges on the fact of what Jesus has done. You see, the reason we can approach God is because we're at peace with God. And that's because of what Jesus did for us. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what Jesus has done for us and given us that peace with God, look, here's what the writer to the Hebrews says. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Are you hearing it again? And this morning, I want to offer this to you. There's some here this morning, you're overwhelmed there's some here who are facing uncertainties. Maybe in health or maybe your employment. Or maybe with your kids or maybe in your marriage. I want to tell you something. Jesus is the restorer and the reconciler of all things. He heals broken hearts. He heals <clears throat> broken relationships. And this morning... He says, come to the throne of grace with freedom and with confidence. Tell your father, tell your father so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Generally, <clears throat> in my years of ministry, I've seen two reactions to people who go through difficult times of uncertainty and pain. They either run from God in bitterness or they flee under his wings for refuge. What are you going to do this morning? Let us approach the throne 
of grace with confidence. Because when we do, we will find mercy. We will receive mercy. And we'll find grace to help in our time of need. Because that sovereign Lord of this universe is in control of all things. And he loves us with that infinite love. So he went to the cross, and there on the cross he paid for us so that there's no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that because of what you've done for us, you've made peace with God for us. We have access to the throne room in freedom and with confidence. And this morning in the stillness of this moment, we come to you because we know when we come to you as our Father that you give us mercy. When we come to you as our Father, we find grace to help. And so this morning we come. We come boldly. We come with freedom to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And may we remember that what you do in our lives and the way that we respond to it has impact on this earth. But even in the heavenly realms. And so, Lord, may we be faithful, good servants of the gospel that maybe you would even say of us, have you considered your servant? We thank you, Jesus, and pray this in your precious name. Amen.